Hey, last week, last week we did a, a sermon and I posted it was like one of the most important passages I felt like in the New Testament and enjoyed it. This is kind of like part two of that message. In fact, I couldn't, it, it's hard sometimes when you're teaching through a book of the Bible to kind of know where to kind of stop it, where to start it, because, you know, it's not like they said, okay, and now here's a new thought. It, it, so we're going to, it's going to be part two. Now, hopefully it'll be better than like Matrix 2, because, you know, Matrix 1 was good, Matrix 2 was bad, uh, or, you know, because sometimes the sequel just doesn't seem the same, right? Anyone? Sometimes the sequel's better, I don't know. Empire. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, so, uh, so, but we do need to sort of recap, so I'm going to preach the entire message from last week, and then I'm going to preach this week. I'm also kidding, and I'm not going to, but, uh, but I do want to recap a little bit, and I want to jump back into Hebrews um, chapter 4, and we'll kind of read a couple verses, we'll say a little something, and then we're going to move into chapter 5, which is where we're headed this week. Um, it's, so Hebrews chapter 4, starting verse 14 says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet did not sin. And let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There, will, there we will receive his mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it most. And so we have a high priest who understands our weaknesses. Jesus went through all the kind of stuff that we did. Now, the stuff might be different because the temptations and struggles, you know, then you know, didn't have a lot of technology like we do today, but it's still kind of the same root stuff that was out there. He was different than us, but he can understand us. And uh, a commentator said, I still love this quote, uh, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase it, even though I said it was a quote. <laughs> Not that Jesus shared our experience of sin, but he, but he did experience our, our experience of being tempted. And so he's been through it. Um, and one of the things that says Christianity apart from other religions is, you know, our God becomes one of us. It, you know, often religions say, hey, do this to kind of find God, do this to, to reach up to God. But in ours, hey, God wraps himself in flesh. He comes down. He lives uh, with us. And, and he endured testing and trials. And it says, you know, he faced all the same testings that we do, yet did not sin. I'm going to use the analogy, and this was helpful for some of you because you gave me some feedback, uh, of biking in the wind. Because if you bike, Delaware Hills, we, you know, because Delaware is pretty flat, it, we, Delaware Hills are the winds because it doesn't matter which way you turn. This week we went biking again, and oh my gosh, did the wind find us. Like we were biking, and we were like, okay, we're getting off Westville because this is ridiculous. Guess what? It was like a wind tunnel the next road we went on. It was just like, I mean, at one point, I'm, again, I'm like, oh, my bike's going to fall over. I'm no longer able to pedal fast enough to keep up with this. Some of you have been there. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it was, a, it was, you know, the wind, it's against us. I'm pedaling hard. Now, the options are I could turn to get out of the wind, which this week did not work, or, or you just stop fighting it and give in. And really, a sin is like that. Sin is like giving into the wind and stopping, but we have to fight against that temptation. When I, you know, we kind of just, when we're in there in the middle of the wind, you just like embrace it. Like, it's just going to be terrible for the next, you know, several miles. And so you just enjoy that. But, <laughs> but you either do that, you either just have to, to, to fight and, and be like, okay, I'm going to fight this, or you, you work to get out of temptation sometimes too, because sometimes the temptations we have, they're sort of, you set yourself up. Like if you're on a strict diet, you probably don't want to go to that, you know, Dover Downs buffet with all the bacon. Can I get an amen? You know, uh, a friend of mine, uh, he, was, he was a kid in one of the 
ministries I, I, I did when I was younger, and like every once in a while, he just posts on my wall, like or on Facebook, or text me, NBLB, no bacon left behind, because uh, <laughs> it was our goal to always clean out all the bacon, and so if I'm trying to eat well, then you, sometimes you'd have to avoid the temptation, don't go to the bacon buffet, right? Uh, Man, now all I can think about bacon. Anybody else? Um, anyway, <laughs> you are welcome. I hope your diet allows for lots of bacon. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, we, we have this great high priest, th- this mediator between God and man, that, that understands because although he's God, Jesus was God, he comes, he lives among us, and so he understands our, our temptations and our struggles. Uh, and so then it says this, we can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. So we have access to God in a different way. You know, anyone go to concerts? Like there's the concert. Anyone ever go backstage at the, after the concert? I don't because I don't have the right pass. Like, you know, and I don't look cool enough to go back to most concerts. But, you know, God gives us a backstage pass. We, we get behind the scenes. We, we're allowed into the presence of God. So, you know, just like you go to a performance and you see the performer, but, you know, if you get the backstage pass, you can go backstage and actually hang out with them. You know, we have a backstage pass to God. We, we have this ability to access him in this new way. And so today through the book of Hebrews, we're going to look a little more into that, that high priest uh, that we have. Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And so the high priest, you know, uh, the high priest in Judaism was descended from uh, Moses' brother Aaron. And he's got to help people keep on tra- track with the covenant. He, he, he does the sacrifices. Uh, you know, he goes into the Holy of Holies on the, the Day of Atonement. And he's making, you know, an offering for people's sin. And he was chosen. He didn't just kind of like wake up one day and go, Hey, I think I'm going to be high priest. I'm going to run for high priest or something. You know, he was, he was chosen. You know, just open up shop, be like, high priest for, you know, rent or, or something, but he was chosen to be the high priest. And, and it says he represents other people in their dealings with God. Now, let's think about this this week. It's sort of like um, an actor's agent. So the, 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 the high priest is kind of like God's agent. Now, that sounds a little weird, but, you know, in my mind, this is working. So if I showed up, you know, I've, I've had a lifelong fascination with a couple things, is strength, you know, and I've told you guys, I like to pick things up and put things down. I've just always been fascinated with lifting heavy objects, and um, it's getting harder as I age a little bit, but I, I still lift heavy objects. I, you know, I, I go to gyms now where they, they look at my heavy objects and go, that, that looks impressive. I don't go to the big heavy gym anymore. <laughs> uh, next thing you know, I'll be at the senior center. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but, you know, but, but I, always, I, was, I always liked, um, you know, Arnold. No last name necessary. We all know him. And it was funny because when we lived in Los Angeles, um, some of the kids we hung out, like I coached wrestling at the school. I was at this kid's house one time. You had to dial nine to get an outside line. You know, and it was like, it, it, because of his dad and some things, like, I'm, I, I, and I also coached him in wrestling, and so I was, I was hanging out with him one day at wrestling practice, and everybody said, like, hey, what'd you do for the weekend? He said, I had to go to another banquet, sat next to Arnold again. I'm like, oh, that's so hard. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I never, I never met him when I lived in California, you know, because you know he was the Terminator and then he was the Governor or whatever. But I don't know. But you know, if I were to show up at Arnold's house, what happens? He'd be like, you know, he'd be, the Terminator would be like, "I'll be back with security," <laughs> because I, you know, I'm not invited. I, I, I don't, I don't. But if I called his agent 
it sort of made an appointment, an arrangement, probably had to pay something. <laughs> you know, you, you, know, you, you kind of get through if you're booked through somebody. And so the high priest was kind of like God's agent. They, they got you in. They got you in on that appointment. Uh, it's the, sort of the go-between. And so, you know, we have this high priest, and he says, presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifice for their sins. Now, most of us, you know, uh, I know like free range is, I know some of you have chickens and like you, ha you know, some of you are like, wait, no, I'm not, no, the person behind you has chickens. Anyway, <laughs> you know, you might have chickens, like anyone have chickens? I know at least one person here does, you know, like it, she's kind of like sheepishly, don't, don't want everyone to look at me because then they're going to be asking for eggs later. But you know, like my neighbors have chickens and stuff and they, they do things and they, you know, the little chickens come and they do that thing. Anyway, <laughs> you know, so there's, there's people, you know, who have, the, but most of us don't like kill our own meat. You know, we, we don't sacrifice things. So it's kind of, it, it sort of seems almost a little alien. Now, it's hunting season, so I, I, I haven't been able to, because of some family commitments and church commitments, I, I've only been able to go out one morning, and there was no sacrificing of anything except some time to spend in the tree because it was, nothing was moving. It was, it was great because it, it was windy and raining, and there's nothing like spending your, your morning in a tree during a wind and rainstorm. It was beautiful. Um, I almost met Jesus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not the way I wanted to. It's because, yeah, that goes on the dumb things I do that I'll probably die from, falling out of a tree stand. That, that's a real legitimate possibility because mine now leans and I've never fixed the lean and it's got moss on it. Like, and I sit in a metal chair. Like, I mean, there's like no worse combination. Anyway, <laughs> I'm your pastor. I didn't say I was your smart pastor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I always text when I get the stand though, like, Denise, I'm in my stand. If I don't text you in a while, you know to come get me. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> she hasn't had to come get me yet. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but the sacrifice, you know, it's kind of an alien thing to us. But, but it was something, you know, and, and a lot of us, we might sacrifice our time for something. But, but we didn't make sacrifices. But in the, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, you had to make a sacrifice to, to make yourself right with God. And so there was this high priest who kind of did the deal. There's all these prescribed things, but, you know, they were, you know, he was the, the head dude for that whole system. He's the guy doing it. And in fact, you, you probably see it on the calendar every year, but you're not really sure what it is. Um, you probably see Rosh Hashanah and then Yom Kippur. Uh, it's, you know, they're, they're the kind of, Rosh Hashanah is the head of the new year, head of the year, but then Yom Kippur is the day of cleansing. That's what Kippur means, it's Kippurim. And so, it's, you know, that's kind of the big day for, for sacrifices, and there's, this, there's all this stuff involved, and you could read the, I, I actually thought about reading through all, and I was looking through the sacrifices and going through Leviticus, and, and I thought that would be a great way to spend an afternoon, is going through every Levitical sacrifice, but then I decided I wanted you guys to come back next week, so I'm not going to go through all of those sacrifices. They're really interesting. I have a friend who's super fascinated by those, He's not here, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> so you can all think, thank him for not being here today. Um, but, you know, there are all these sacrifices. They were the, kind of the head dude, and they were the ones who presents this. And, and so, you know, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 2 says, And he is able to deal gently with ignorant wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. That is why we, he must offer sacrifices uh, for his own sins as well as theirs. And so, you know, there, there's this... Because a high priest is kind of, is like us, the original high priest, he kind of, he kind of gets it. Be because we, we, we have these common things that all of us struggle and wrestle with. Uh, now, um, <laughs> I like this quote, and this guy named George said this. 
Um, Guthrie, in case you care, but anyway, George said this. He's one of the commentators I was reading this week. It's a really good commentary on this. Uh, Those who deal with sinners can err in one of several extremes, bearing a stoic indifference to sin, you know, just say whatever, <laughs> manifesting a mushy sentimentality that plays down its significance or expressing anger born out of aspiration. What is needed is the highly valuable quality of forbearance, which deals with sin seriously and the sinner patiently. And so there is this problem of sin. We have stuff we do that we shouldn't do. We have things that we're tempted to do. And I've been using the analogy of bacon because bacon is such a temptation. Can I get an amen? <laughs> like, it's just hard. You know, it's, it's hard to eat two strips. Like, I grew up eating two strips of bacon. That's not the rule in my house. <laughs> two pounds. No. <laughs> if I'm going to eat bacon, someone got me a case of bacon. You know, I, I, they, annually I get a case of bacon from somebody. I love that. Uh, <laughs> I actually tithe off the bacon, though. So if you were fortunate, I give you know, 10% of my bacon away um, to my children. No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> I tithe off everything. It's just who I am. But um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, we, sin had to be dealt with, and that was the, the idea of the high priest. And, it says, and no one can be a high priest because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God as work just as Aaron was. And so verses 1 through 4 are kind of defining what the high priesthood is a little more dealership deal. And now it's kind of like taking it to the new level is the part. And do you, this is like, I had to look it up. It was like a 19... Is it 91? I thought it was 97. I, I can't remember. I wrote it down. But there was this commercial for like, it was a Pontiac. I had to, I, I had to Google it and I was trying to Google it, which is hard to Google things when you're, you can't remember exactly what the words were. But I remember it was like wider is better commercials, you know, because it was like a wider base on the car. Some of you don't remember, but I just remember there was like, Oha lua, wider is better. And it's like, I think of that all the time whenever there's anything that has to be wider. And it's like, wider is better. And okay, I'm the only one who thinks of that commercial. No, Denise, yes, two of us. My wife understands me. <laughs> and I don't care about the rest of you. She understands me. <laughs> um, she gets me. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and this is the lotto prize you get. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I love it because it was like, you know, it was a stupid commercial, but, and obviously it wasn't very effective because none of you know what it is, <laughs> but no one, gosh, I can't believe that. Usually at least one person, besides out, my wife remembers this, but you know, the idea is, is, you know, we have Christ now, he's better. And so old system, important for helping us understand, but, but, you know, he's going to kind of put things together here. It says, you know, ultimately because Christ is this, this better deal. We, we no longer need the, the, the mediator between, you know, God is, you know, God himself wrapped in flesh. Uh, and so we don't need some external dude to kind of come show up. You know, and we talked a little bit about that whole idea of priesthood. Like people, you know, they call me a priest. I, I, they call me all kinds of funny titles, you know. I, a friend jokingly texted me yesterday, like, okay, Cardinal Dyer. I'm like, I don't even know what a cardinal is. I mean, I know they're birds, but <laughs> you know, it's some... You know, yeah, they wear funny hats. Uh, not making fun of it, but, but you know, we, we don't need... There, there was this whole thing called the Reformation, so you, you know which side I land on with that. <laughs> and, and so there's this, this whole thing. You know, we no longer need people to get us to God. You know, we, we, do, we do have people who teach. We, we do have people who, who study, you know, the Bible and teach, and that's kind of my, my function. But you don't need me as sort of this mediator between God because ultimately we have this new mediator, 
Who is Jesus? Um, and so, <laughs> it's verse 5. It says, that is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God who said to him, you are my son, today I've become your father. And another passage, God said to him, you are a priest forever uh, in the order of Melchizedek. Now, <laughs> and so, it's interesting, little interesting thing. I know we did a series on the Psalms. I don't know if I, I said this at all during the series, but if you look into it, the Psalms is like this whole fascinating thing, in part because so many of the Psalms speak of Jesus. I mean, most of us think of Psalms like, oh, someone died, let me read a Psalm, right? And, you know, I, I do a lot of funerals. I do a lot of family funerals. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm the guy they call, you know, and I almost always read a Psalm because we find them comforting, and those are good. But, but they also so much speak of Christ. And these, those of you who like to read the footnotes, this is Psalm 2-7 and 1-10-4. You, know, you are my son. You know, Jesus has this different relationship. Uh, it's a priest forever in the, uh, in the order of Melchizedek. Um, you know, it's, it's the idea is God's plan is coming along. And, and so it says Jesus doesn't honor himself by assuming. I, I think when I think, I think of a, a way to kind of phrase that is humility. And when you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus, again, he is God, wrapped in flesh, but he comes down and he lives a humble life. Now, talk about humble. Anyone here ever have a baby? Anyone here ever been a baby? Okay, we, we were all babies once. If not, you're something different. Like you just like popped out full grown from a giant pea pot or something. I don't know. Anyway, uh, you know, that's a very humble way of coming into life. And so, and then Jesus, when I think of what it means to be humble, I was thinking of this story in Luke 14. See, we got to Luke. It says this. It says, when Jesus noticed all who had come to dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. Now, you know what that's like. In those days, you sort of like, there, there's, you know, seats of honor. You know, the right and the left were really important. And, and so kind of the, the better people get better seats. Kind of like when you go to a concert. Like, I, I remember I bought tickets to a concert. I was all excited. And then, like, I didn't know the arena very well. And then I was, like, I was, I was picturing myself because, you know, like, first rock concert. It was, like, the 80s and metal. And actually, at this point, it was the 90s. We'd switched decades. But, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. And then we were, like, in the top balcony section off in the corner. I think I was up against the wall. Like, I mean, it was, like, literally, like, the worst seat you could possibly get. You know, and I didn't know because there wasn't the internet. Well, there was the internet then, but it was like all I could get was like Indian food recipes, which was great because I love Indian food. <laughs> but, you know, it was early days. Um, <laughs> I, I still, I remember I got the first email address. I got my email address, like an orientation, and they're like, here's your email address. And it's like, okay, I don't have anyone I know with another email address. Let me call someone and find an email address. <laughs> Some of you don't remember these days. Some of you are like, it just... It was the infancy day of social media. <laughs> we were social, and we had to go out and get media. Anyway, uh, so we're up in the time, you know, it, it's kind of like that. You want the better seats, right? And I found out as I get older, the people who get the good seats, either you win a radio contest or you got some money and know somebody, right? Like you, the, those front rows kind of go to the promoter's uh, friends. And so Jesus says this about sitting, getting the place of honor. He says, when you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit at the seat of honor. What if someone more, you know, distinguished than you uh, has been invited. The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you'll be embarrassed. You have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place of the table. And when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, here's a better place for you. Then he will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And there's this humility, you know, that, that often plays out in, in, in human affairs. But really, it goes to who is the most humble person? 
you know, I, I think really Jesus. Because if you, if you look at the theology, which is a big fancy word for, the, you know, the, the, the kind of the study of God and the, the, the logic, the meaning. And when you look at who Jesus is in Scripture, you know, it, you know he comes, he's God, wraps himself in flesh. Again, we use the word incarnation. I always think of carne, <laughs> carne asad. He wraps himself. Uh, you know, it says, uh, Philippians 2 says it this way. And I've read this a hundred times to you probably. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't not look out. Or, don't, don't look only out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his design privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. And so much of his life was, was marked by this humility. And it was interesting because I have a fascination with a lot of Jesus things. But um, in particular, you know, I, um, there was a statue in one of the schools I went to in the lobby. And it, it's a picture. It's like, you know, Jesus washing Peter's feet. And so when I graduated from that school with a prestigious degree, they give you a little copy of that statue to knock you down a few notches, right? Because you got to remember, you're a servant. You're here to serve. And a lot of times we, we get education, different things. We kind of feel like we're at the top. We get all these, you know, we, we want to be. But, but Jesus, he was at the very top, and he takes the position of a servant. And if you know the story, he's, you know, he goes around, he washes his disciples' feet, you know, uh, <laughs> where he, you know, it was even to his disciples, they were astonished. They're like, 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 what are you doing washing my feet? <laughs> but that's who Jesus was. He came, and, he, and it's sort of a picture of, in general, he came to serve us. In fact, when, I, we get, when you get ordained in our fellowship of churches, you know what they give you? A towel. A towel. <laughs> Yeah, we do get a weird sashy thing too, but anyway. <laughs> uh, was it ordained we get the towers at license? I can't remember now. <laughs> anyway, you get a towel because you're, you're here to serve. Uh, and that's, that's who Jesus was. Um, uh, he was in the highest position, but, but he takes the lowest position. There's this humility in, in what it means to serve Christ. Because if, if you're going to be a follower and server, uh, servant of Christ, that means we serve. Um, it says he was chosen. You know, high priests were chosen among the people so they could understand. Jesus became man so he could understand. He was selected to represent you. In the, again, big, big fancy word, incarnation. Uh, you know, God became flesh and bone. Most religions talk about how to go to God. We have a God who comes to us. Um, John 1 says it this way in verse 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Now, I, I like the message version. The translation reads it, says it this way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> you know, Jesus came. You know, he came to us. <laughs> um, he moved into the hood. <laughs> and the Wyoming hood, <laughs> solidarity with the people. Uh, you know, Hebrews 5, 7 says this, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. You know, he offered prayers and pleadings. Um, now, it's, it's interesting because this is one of the, the funny things. You know, you may not always, like, 
Um, you, you may not know, like, I, you may be like, you think, okay, I don't know how Jeff comes up with sermons. Like, it's just, sometimes, I'll be honest, I got no plan when I got up here, and we're just re-preaching. But, you know, generally, it comes from, uh, you know, a, a lot of study and different things, and I'm reading all kinds of different books. And there's, like, this is, like, one of those verses, like, people kind of take it a couple different ways. I uh, offered prayers and pleadings, uh, you know, but, but I think, really, we kind of pull them all together and say this. Uh, <laughs> there are a few psalms that really reflect the anguish that Jesus is going to go through again, because the psalms so much speak of Jesus to come. Uh, but, uh, but the first thing that li- likely comes to us, I think, when I think of prayers, I think of this idea of Gethsemane. Now, we talked about it kind of briefly last week. You know, Jesus is, is, is in, the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, this is before they come and, and they're going to arrest him. And he says, you know, it says this in Mark chapter 14. They went to the Olive Grove called Gethsemane. Uh, and Jesus said, sit here while I go pray took Peter, James, and John. Those are like the three that get to kind of go with him everywhere. They're, they're his like top three dudes. Um, <laughs> uh, and again, became deeply dist- troubled and distressed. He told him, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And so, you know, it might throw off some of you that Jesus was like real concerned about this, but when you go through something scary, there, there's an anguish to it, right? Like I remember so much before I played a sport or something, uh, you know, before I played football, because it's like football season, it's like there's this nervousness until that first hit. It, it's like, I'm it's just like, I look crazy probably. I talked to a guy one time, I became friends with him, and he thought I was like nuts. It, it actually worked into his mind, because I was just so nervous, I'm walking around, he's like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> uh, sorry, Joe. <laughs> but we became friends later. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I get so nervous because the anticipation, right? And it was a good thing. Or I remember, I still remember, oh my gosh, the first time I went paintballing, like, you know, the, I know it's, it's a paintball. It doesn't matter. It's not going to kill you, right? Shouldn't. Anyway, so I was paintballing. I remember we were in Los Angeles and we were up, I was up on this hill and I was like hiding and I was like shaking. I'm like, oh my gosh, what do people in real warfare? I'm, I'm about to get, you know, hit with a ball of paint and I'm nervous. Uh, but, you know, and I, I remember the Saving Private Ryan D-Day scene. Anyone you know, oh my gosh, it's like, they, they kind of pull you in, there's this nervous, you know, shaking hand, trying to drink water, people making a sign of the cross, you know, it, it, there's this, this anticipation, because there's something you're kind of scared of, you're going into, and so Jesus, it's not that he's scared of it, but he understands the weight of what he's about to go to, and we often think of Jesus as like Superman, right, like you don't, you're not concerned about Superman, unless there's like Krypton bullets or something, you know, for the most part, you're like, you know, he's getting out of this, I mean, that's why I like Superman, you know, <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm seeing the Spider-Man theme anyway. anyway. <laughs> but, but, you know, Jesus is fully human, fully divine like us. And, and so we, at this moment, it, it might even seem uncomfortable, but, but he's really feeling the weight of what it's going to be like to be separated from the Father. And, and so there, there's these groans and cries and prayers. And, um, you know, he, he, it's, he goes a little further, and he's prayed if possible to offer our... He, prayed that if it were possible that the awful hour awaiting him might pass by him. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Take this cup of suffering from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. You know, it's so, you know, it's not that, um, you know, take this cup from me. It's not that he doesn't want to go through with the plan, but he doesn't want the separation. And he ultimately, he chooses what will bring us into a relationship with God. He chooses to go through with a plan because that's the way that we're welcomed into salvation. We're welcomed into God's family because of that. (laughs) You know, but it's real anguish in the garden (laughs) because he's really about to die for your sins. Jesus ultimately takes this cup of wrath so we can have a cup of forgiveness. 
We're going to celebrate that today when we celebrate communion. Uh, you know, we have this deliverance from bondage, deliverance from sin. And so, you know, Jesus goes through all that. Ultimately, that's why he can understand as a high priest. He's been there, and he did that. Hebrews 7, uh, second part of that verse says, And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Um, now, heard his prayers. I was thinking, often when I read the Bible, and I'm going to talk about it, I try to picture how different people hear that. Now, if you've been around church a while, you, you go, yeah, he heard, heard her prayers. You probably, maybe you don't think anything of it. Anyone, though, the first time you read that, go, what do you mean? Like, he wouldn't hear it otherwise? Like, I, I don't know. Some of y'all post on social media like he doesn't read that. Um, come on, that was supposed to be funny. Maybe it's a little too convicting for some of you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just messing. <laughs> kind of. No. <laughs> no, it, it's funny, though. You see some stuff on Twitter, man. Whew. Uh, anyone here tweet? I don't tweet much. I just, I'm just there for the show, man, sometimes. Like, I, 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 a sermon not long ago, I called it fretter. Like, because it's like, man, people blow up at the stupidest things. Sorry, I, mean, I meant to say stupid things. <laughs> they get all upset about something, you know, and it's like, you know, it's obviously not what the guy meant. Uh, you know, cut him a little slack. Um, you obviously haven't studied grammar either. I can see from your tweets back. Anyway. <laughs> just saying uh, anyway <laughs> you know uh, but but it's not that he doesn't hear things but the idea that he hears prayers is you know god god listens to the prayers of, of, of sort of the people who are doing god's things you know he's listening to it it's not that he doesn't hear them it says even though jesus was god's son he learned obedience from the things uh, he suffered now again that's a, it's another one that was like was jesus, jesus disobedient before what do you mean he learned obedience like Anyone else think that's, okay, a couple people, okay, there's a couple of us who picked, some of you skipped right over, some of you are smarter, I know some of you are reading the Greek every morning, and you're like, well, it's obvious, this Greek word, you know, in the latter usage, in the, you know, the Koine Greek has more of a sense of, <laughs> no, um, anyway, the rest of us, though, who struggle with it, <laughs> but, but it's, 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 you know, uh, really, the Greek word, um, really can have this, this sense of coming to know something firsthand through personal experience. So it, it's not that he was disobedient, but, but he kind of, he'd been through it. Uh, you know, Jesus became flesh, he was tempted like us, experienced it. He got firsthand knowledge. And I was thinking of it this way, and I, I've probably told you the story before. I remember one time I went to pray for somebody, which you're like, yeah, Jeff, that's what you do, right? I remember, and it was like, I was praying for this person after church service, they came to me, they had back pain, and I felt sympathetic for him. I really did. I was like, oh man, that must be horrible. And I prayed for him. And um, I did something kind of dumb. <laughs> I know that surprises you. Uh, let's just say it involved, I think I spent three hours, four hours in, in a car driving. I had to drive up to a library. I spent 12 to 14 hours in a chair, except for getting up to get journal articles and things. I was at this library. This is like before the internet was as big. And, and so I spent a lot. Of, and then I, you know, I drove back home, uh, you know, and, and then I got up several hours later and went to the gym and there was, there was running involved and there was deadlifting involved and my back seized up in a way I had never experienced before. Anyway, I could not get off the couch. It was the first back. I know some of you think all the, all the things you pick things up and put things down, but my back has been relatively healthy because I have good form. Uh, you should always get an experienced coach to teach you how to pick things up and put things down properly. <laughs> uh, I, you know, you look for that on their card. If it doesn't say, I will teach you to put, pick things up and put things down properly. Uh, no. Uh, 
you know, and, and so, but man, it was like pain like never before, and it took me all kinds of things. I tried to go to a chiropractor, different things. Nobody could kind of figure out what was going on. I was in pain. Now, it ended up just being some weird spasms because apparently you shouldn't, you know, drive for hours in a car, sit for hours in a library, and then go drive hours back, get a couple hours of sleep, and go deadlift. I'm just saying, like, that's a prescription for pain. But, but point being, uh, you know, next time I prayed for somebody with back pain, man, it was a different kind of prayer because <laughs> I understood it. You know, like, and, you, and when, you, when you've never been in pain like that, and fortunately, it, it hasn't come back, although it is a little tight. I did my pigeon stretch this morning. I don't, I don't know why that's called a pigeon. I've never seen a pigeon chilling like that. But man, I got, I got my... <laughs> someone's going to tell me later why it's called a pigeon stretch. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> pigeon pose. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen a pigeon chilling. Like downward dog, I get. My dog does that. Upward dog, my dog. You know, all that kind of stuff, I get. I don't, I, don't, I don't keep pigeons, though, honestly. I mean, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> but point being... I, I, I prayed differently because I'd experienced it. And so what, what I think what the author's getting at here is, you know, Jesus went through it. He's learned it. He's experienced it. And that's part of his understanding of what we're going through. That one of the reasons we can go to him in prayer, we can go to him in our struggles, because he's been there. He gets it. He's been there. Now, he made it through in a way we didn't, because he did it all without sin. We don't quite make it through without sin, but we have, we have a God who understands us. Uh, <laughs> um, it says, in this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for those who obey him. And God designated to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He qualified him as perfect. Um, you know, I, I think, actually, we're reading the New Living Translation mainly because I like the New Living Translation, and I'm the one who decides. Uh, but, but there's a lot of other good translations there, and you, you might read like the ESV or um, the, the uh, NIV. They tend to say something kind of more the idea of, you know, he, you know, he was made perfect. Anyone have a translation that says that? I don't know what the New King James says, Dana. I you know, always check with you. <laughs> She's like, I don't have it open right now. <laughs> why are you calling on me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, that's why, that's why everybody likes to sit in the back. You're afraid you're going to be part of the sermon. The other building, you were in the spit zone. So, like, I would spit on people. There was, like, a little section here where no one sat. Because <laughs> um, I spat. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> here all week, folks. Here all week. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and so it was interesting. There's one commentary. This guy, I really like this guy's commentary on this. And he, he was like, you know, imagine a student coming to you because he's had it. And, and, you know, does, and the student's like, hey, does that mean Jesus was not perfect before that? Does that mean that Jesus had, had not been obedient before that? Anyone ever kind of, you kind of wonder that? Like, it almost sounds like it, depending on your translation. Uh, nope, you're good? Okay. Well, besides these two people, everyone else maybe read it and kind of gone, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, and I think the New Living Translation does a good job of sort of diffusing it a bit when they translate it as qualified as perfect high priest. Now, for those of you who don't know, when I say translated, the, the original New Testament is written in uh, a type of Greek called Koine Greek. It's not even classic Greek. Um, so I know a lot of you read classical Greek, uh, you know, because when you're reading Plato, and some of you play with Plato, some of you read Plato. No, uh, <laughs> but, but we, we have to translate it into English, and so sometimes we kind of miss some of the meaning. Uh, but still, mostly a translation, you get 99% of things in there. Just there's a few phrases that maybe somebody could take wrong, and there's a few groups that'll take it and, like, 
make their own translation and just make up stuff. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> um, when they knock on your door, um, come talk to me. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, it really kind of diffuses a little bit. Uh, you know, the idea is, you know, Jesus went through some things. You know, I, the message says it this way. Having arrived at full stature was maturity. You know, Jesus went through some things. He completed the course. Uh, and, you know, it was, it, in school, I know this is hard to believe because I do so many dumb things, but it, <laughs> when I was, like, in calculus in college, like, I normally, you know, I'd had, I'd had that coursework in high school, so by the time I got to college, and, you know, I was dating this girl who was a real good mathematician, uh, <laughs> and she's still back there. Uh, anyway, but, uh, you know... <laughs> I must be a magician because I tricked her into marrying me. But anyway, <laughs> she's a good mathematician. And so she'd help me. I'd, help, I'd done a lot of work. And so when I was in, I remember the TA sessions. I remember the TA going, Jeff, can you show us how, to, how you solve that problem? I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, Jeff gets to show people instead of getting shown. Which is, but, you know, the, the idea is I've been through it, right? Like, like I'd learned, I'd experienced. And, you know, it was, it was interesting. Um, in a... In, in a in a, which this is still a problem I have with the NCAA. I'm just saying. Anyway, I was a tutor for the athletic department, and then they decided after I did all my tutoring that they couldn't pay me because it was an NCAA violation. So I'm still mad at the NCAA. So everybody go NAIA. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> just there's lots of NCAA regulations that are problems. Anyway. <laughs> That's not what we're here to talk about today, but uh, anyway, I, I, I tutored, and it was interesting because I, I tutored, uh, but generally, they, they, they hired me to tutor and then didn't pay me because I'd been through the courses, right? And so there weren't a lot of people who wanted to tutor chemistry and calculus and things like that, and so I was tutoring those, but if I'd never taken the course, would I have been very good at t tutoring? Probably not. It'd be kind of hit or miss, right? Like I, like, I had to go learn that stuff and go through it. And that's the idea here. He said, qualified is perfect. Uh, you know, he, not that he was kind of imperfect and became perfect, but he was sort of, he completed the task. And it reminds me of the farmer's commercials, which I love. Um, you, know, uh, you, know, we, you know, we are farmers. Bum, ba -da -bum, bum, bum. And, so you guys can do that one. You can't do the 90s Pontiac commercial, but... <laughs> You know, it says, you know, we, we, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. You know, and, and so Jesus, he knows a thing or two. Well, he's God, but, but he's also seen a thing or two. And because he's been through it, he gets it. He gets our struggles. Um, you know, there's experiential knowledge, and um, Jesus understands it. It says he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Uh, now, a phrase I've said a lot, and I realize it's like, our, our, we did a series on First and Second Peter, uh, which is a great couple of books. Um, I just, I, I honestly, I love every book of the Bible, although I'm probably not going to open up a series on Leviticus anytime soon, although there's been some pastors who started churches with that and got really big churches just doing Leviticus. Now, not me. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, there's some harder things in there to kind of get excited about preaching every, every Sunday. I get to preach about Jesus, so I'm all about it. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, a uh, phrase I've been saying a lot is this idea of live differently. Because, you know, Christianity, it, it's funny, because on the one hand, it is 
like head knowledge, and we've talked about it, you know, that, that it, it, it's something you, you understand with your mind, and I think it, faith is logical, there's a lot of logic to it, and, you know, we talk about rational, non-rational thought, and all kinds of things, and <laughs> if, that's, if that's your thing, we'll have a philosophy discussion later, you know, and so it's, it's mental, but it really kind of has to go to the heart, too, and you have to believe, you know, and you know, there's that old saying, it's the, the furthest distance in the world is from, is like, 12 inches, or whatever that is, I don't know, I'm not good with measurements, and a third of a meter, I don't know, whatever, but, you know, from the head to the, from the head to the heart, but I would argue, too, it's from the heart to the hand, because you, you have to, you have to understand, you have to believe in your heart, although you don't actually believe in your heart, I don't think, that's just a heart organ pumps things, that's how we think of it metaphorically, but, and then it has to go to your hands, you have to do something with it, you have to live differently because of your faith, and a lot of people don't get that right because they kind of believe here, they kind of believe here, but then they're kind of jerks. I saw a tweet this week that cracked me up, and I can't remember the, the exact tweet of it. I, I didn't write it down, but it was like, man, some people really seem to hate the people they're trying to evangelize <laughs> because there's some segments of the church that do the judgment real well. You know, Jesus had something to say about that, but that's a whole nother whole nother sermon for a whole nother time involves a plank sticking out of your head <laughs> because we we pick at the little things people got going on. They got a little agu, a little thing in there, but we got a two by four sticking out of our head. If you want to get mad at that, get mad at Jesus, not me. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing: it's kind of like a bundle deal. Anyone like bundle deals? I'm not talking like the McDonald's bundle deal. Like, yeah, because like you were gonna get just a couple of Big Macs to eat for lunch, and then you're like get like a whole box of them, you know and it, that's just me, okay. Um, it just got awkward here. It's a bunch of y'all, you're just not admitting it. You know, but I mean, it's like you get the box at Taco Bell, it's got the extra stuff, and you know, Chick-fil-A is open again. I, I survived the Chick-fil-A not being open uh, for 2021. Um, everyone's so excited. Yeah, some of you are just like, oh, you should go there today for lunch. They're open again. Um, <laughs> Come on, that's funny. I make that joke like almost every week with my kids. Like, I'll say, hey, Chick-fil-A's on me today. <laughs> um, I don't think... Time, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, but you know, bundle deals is, you know, you, you buy one, you get half. Now, I'm always doing it for like tools because like there's like a certain tool I want and there's some batteries I want. And, you know, like I just found a deal. I'm like, oh, I get the batteries half price and the tool half price if I do this. And I've been wanting that tool. Now I can finally have that tool, right? Like anyone, you get a bundle deal. Because you, the thing is, if you have to get both things in the bundle. Now, sometimes a bundle means like Taco Bell. I'm sorry, I love my Taco Bell. You know, they have the box. And they, have, they used to have those like crispy fried things in there. Those are disgusting. It's like styrofoam peanuts that someone like deep fried. Like, I've one, been to one Taco Bell where they did them right, and you're like, oh, that's actually good. But, you know, for the most part, like, it's just like styrofoam peanuts. But you can't not get the styrofoam peanuts in the box. You've got to order the whole thing. And, and, you know, it's, it's a bundle deal. Christianity's a bundle deal. Because, you know, again, it's in, it's in your head, it's in your heart, it's got to be in your hands. You, 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 can't, you can't believe and not live differently. That's a part of things. That doesn't mean we're not going to struggle to live differently. But, and, and ultimately, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and, and will help us live differently. But, but we live differently because of that. Um, now, verse 10 is going to drop that, this, he's going to drop this word Melchizedek. And I know most of you are breaking apart the Hebrew right now. You're like Melach and the king, and you know, that's possessive. Or, <laughs> and it's like, 
Okay, no, you're not. Anyway, <laughs> some of you are like, okay, I remember that from reading the Old Testament. I remember kind of reading a little bit. You, you kind of you caught that. You're like, what's that deal with Melchizedek? Here's the thing. It's like a name drop. We're going to get back to it because we're, we're going to get back into that. I want to throw that out there, though. Uh, it's kind of like, it's sometimes like Melchizedek, it has this deep meaning. Uh, there, there's some cool stuff we're going to talk about here in the future in this series. But, but it's really like, it's like, it's, it can sound like sports chatter to outsiders, like, you know, you're like, waggle, waggle, waggle. What does that mean? If you don't know football, you don't know what that's, what's going on, right? <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, slant. You know, football people are like, yeah, I know what that is. The rest of you are like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, some of you are making odd signs over there. Or like, I, military folks, y'all love this. You know, I, hanging out in this community, you've had, I've had to learn like military logo, lo, lingo because they're all like, I'm a PCS and I'm a TDY and AMXS and I'm at the point now where I understand some of that. Like, but you, I, sometimes there's been conversations where I'm like, I don't know, I thought we were doing English here, but I, <laughs> pair, I don't speak acronym, you know, and I, <laughs> I, know I've, I know people who've like turned a whole memo into like acronyms and stuff and just like, their superiors just check it off and go, yep, that looks good. <laughs> Anyone else? No, okay. But uh, there, there's some assumed knowledge. So we're going to unpack Melchizedek later. But just kind of put that one up there. In, in a, Jeff's going to talk about that later, later thing. So uh, here's the thing. When you're reading the New Testament for the first time, um, uh, again, my story is, you know, I, I grew up, I, you know, I went to church, didn't really get faith. You know what I mean? Like, I just kind of, like, kind of wrestled with it, struggled with some things. And when I was 20, I, I started reading the Bible, and I read from Genesis to Revelation. Because that's the way you should read the Bible. <laughs> it was, it's, it's cool way to read it, but it's probably, most of you are going to quit in Leviticus. <laughs> uh, you just start, like, I'm, like, memorizing how to slaughter sheep, because, again, I thought it was on the final. You know, I was like, I'm, and I'm like in the middle, I'm going, I don't know why we don't slaughter things anymore. <laughs> you know, if, 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 if I'd gone to church in the middle of that and someone had slaughtered something, I'd be like, yeah, that's about right. You did it right. You know, because I didn't get it yet. You know, and, and so like I, I made it through I made, New Testament and like lights are start dinging, ding. Oh, oh, I get it. I get it now. But, um, you know, here's the, you, ever, you ever play those puzzle things as a kid? We got like all the numbers on a page. And then you have to like draw the line for them, like the connect the dots things. Anyone ever do those? I love those. It didn't take much except like, here's number one. Where's number two? Draw a nine. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't a big test of, you know, things. Anyway, I like those as a kid. We don't do enough of those as adults. We have adult coloring books, but why don't we have adult puzzle books? I don't know. Anyway, don't buy me a puzzle book. I know someone's thinking that. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> it's connect- it might seem random. There's these dots everywhere. And really, Hebrews is, is one of those books that really connects the dots. Because it takes the stuff from the Old Testament, takes the stuff from the Hebrew Bible, and it's connecting the dots. And so for some of you, we might be answering questions you weren't thinking. But for some of you, if you've read the Old Testament and got some questions, we're connecting those dots. And so it's, you know, it might seem random because sometimes there's dots everywhere in, in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, so we're connecting the dots, seeing the things that Jesus did. And once we understand better uh, the, the purpose of his coming, the reason of his coming, all of that, then that helps us live differently. We can live differently if we understand better. And our lives look different in our way of living. And we put our faith in Christ. And then again, we can approach God differently when we have confidence 
in our relationship with Jesus, and we know that, that he makes the way to the Father. And so we have full access to God when we come to faith in him. And that's just simple as admitting, believing, and committing. It's, you know, asking, you know, God to come into your life, admitting that you have, you have sin and you struggle and you mess up, and then believing you know, that, that hey, G Jesus came, he did this stuff, you know, he, he, he lived a life that I couldn't live, uh, he died for us, and then we commit our life to following him. It, it, it's a way of life. It's, it's got its ups and downs. We have good days and bad days. But, but it's this new and better way of living, and it changes the way you li live, and it gives you a greater life, a greater fullness. And again, you know, we're talking about, you know, the fear of death a couple of weeks ago. You know, I, when I was, I was on near death, you know, doing that roof. Um, well, actually, it was just a shed, and I would have just sprained my ankle probably. But, you know, I, you, I, I'm not looking forward to death, but I don't have to fear it. Because ultimately, I know where I'm going. I, I, I know I have this home in heaven. I know I have this, this place. And I have, I have a great high priest who's going to plead my case and make things right. 